0: Welcome to Get Rich Without Being a Bitch. This is the place to hear real and raw conversations about what it takes for female entrepreneurs to achieve financial success and live a rich life. I'm Vanessa Shaw, author of The Million Dollar Question and your hostess for this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Sarah, I am so excited to this episode of our podcast, Get Rich Without Being a Bitch. Uh, Sarah Rosten you are the founder and CEO of Pediatric Interactions and as I even say that I know that even that title has been a little bit of a challenge for you in terms of our work together so I kind of want to just dive off the diving board straight there like we're going to go into the deep end because as you hear that today like what starts to come up for you
1: what comes up for me is like so many titles that I was wearing. You know, I, I was trained as a speech therapist. That's what I went to school to do. So I'm supposed to be a speech therapist. And then starting my own company, I became a business owner. And then I became a, you know, leader and a manager and all these different titles. And I really had a hard time any party we went to or when my husband would introduce me, what do you do? Well, I'm a speech therapist. And almost 20 years later, with a full team of almost 15 people, I'm not even practicing speech therapy more than once a week. So now I feel like a fraud saying I'm a speech therapist, but saying I'm a CEO felt way too big for me. Mm. So I remember about two years ago, even creating different titles for myself. I'm the chief business developer. I'm, you know, all these different words that I could Feel more comfortable with that I didn't really have to own the hugeness of what a CEO was. But today I can say I am the CEO. I love that. And what was it around, as you say? Because I think we all go through
0: that. I certainly know I have, right? Business coach, success coach, this. I mean, let's let me not have a title. I even did that for a while. Why do I have to have a title? I'm an entrepreneur, for heaven's sake, you know. So it's like, um, probably avoiding something at that point. So it's interesting right, how we go through that, but what was it about really owning,
1: like what was the scariness
0: around owning that CEO title?
1: I think that I was out loud admitting I was responsible. I was the ultimate last one responsible for everything. I knew I was, my bank account knew I was, my family knew I was, the, the company knew I was but I didn't take that ownership of it. And I was still more along the ride with my company than driving and leading my company. So um, once I felt that I was doing more of the leading and driving and strategizing and going more, more having the pushing, not pushing, but Bringing along the company in in a direction rather than floating along with where we were growing and developing and responding, mm. um, then I felt that I was more comfortable with that. So I think a lot of it was mindset. A lot of it was having the tools. A lot of it was also my team. My team is amazing, and as they stepped up and they elevated themselves in the positions and became more responsible or accountable um and did things more independently then that pushed me up mm, I love that right it's it's so interesting I mean there's so much that you
0: said in there right it's like I wasn't driving and really leading the business right and at that point where you actually put yourself out in front these aren't the words that you said but again you and I were working together at that time but you did kind of put a stake in the ground right to what you really wanted Mm-hmm. and how you wanted your business to be and took that ownership and then and the responsibility of the role, like everything shifted. Um, you, I'm going to give our audience a real teaser right now because the reality is you shifted things in your business dramatically and rapidly I mean i've still got goosebumps as I think back to the journey that we've been on in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of cliffhanger here is for those people listening in is like there is an amazing turnaround story that you are about to listen to um, in terms of where you're at today, but we're going to circle back to that and I want us to backtrack. How long ago was it, Sarah? Um, You and I were—I mean, interestingly enough, we both invested in ourselves and we were on a personal development program ourselves, which is where we met. Mm -hmm. We kind of had that. We were swim buddies, remember? We We were swim buddies. We were exactly. We were there, like to kind of you know help one another. Which I basically love that concept anyway for women, you know, elevating one another and empowering one another. So I think that was just an amazing backdrop for them. What would happen next? And I remember a day when, you know, with, through that, you know, connection, you and I were, had a few heart to hearts of like, business isn't going the way I want it to be, I'm frustrated with this. And I kind of said, let's, let's just chat. That's what I do all day long. And you picked up the phone to me and said, hey, I'd love to take you up on that offer of a chat and I'd love to have your insight on my kind of latest marketing strategies. So pick up the conversation from that point (laughs) because that's like I said, we're going straight in at the deep end.
1: Well, yeah, I mean you, we had been such, we had been so transparent and that's what I love about finding the right group of people because it was a place where we could be vulnerable. We could be authentic. We didn't feel that we had to protect anyone by sharing information that might be scary about the company or our personal lives. And so it was completely a, a, a very, um, empath, empathic, empathic um, relationship. Yeah. So you had, we had the nurturing and the care for each other. And yet we also had the no bullshit with each other. And so we were on calls and I was like, Hey, I've got this idea and this idea. And you said, Hey, I'd love to have a call with you. I thought, Oh, great. She's going to help me with some ideas. And we got on and you had probably one of the like best mom sit down heart to heart, like, honey, this isn't going well. And you need to change something and you need to change it now. And I remember crying on that call and being like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, yes, I do. I couldn't admit it to myself because I was so drowning. I already knew I was drowning. I didn't realize everyone else knew I was drowning as much as I was. And I didn't know how So I just felt like drowning and getting a straw that was longer and longer and longer to breathe out of was my only way to survive. Yeah. And in full transparency, as I say, I remember that. I mean, I was sitting in this office. I
0: remember exactly that call. And again, it was one of those places that even for me, it felt vulnerable to be that honest with you. Um, I cared for you deeply. And that was one of those moments where, you know, you and I already had a bond. I just saw you as the brilliant woman that you are. And I knew that about you. And it was a risk for me because it was like, I knew that what you were presenting with was not the real issue. And we actually weren't in a professional relationship. So, you know, but we weren't, you hadn't hired me as your coach. So I was, if you like on risky territory. And I remember just thinking to myself, you know what? I'm actually, I am going to take the risk here. I'm going to be vulnerable because I care so much about this woman that you'd come to me for marketing strategies. And I remember saying to you, Sarah, like that's the last thing you need right now. Um, And I believe I use the words which are really tough to be on the receiving end of Fortunately, you were so open to hearing them is I actually said to you, I said, it's not marketing. Your business model is fundamentally flawed and there is no amount of marketing that's going to fix this.
1: Yes, I actually found the piece of paper from our first couple conversations the other day. And remember the notes started where I, you know, marketing strategies, and then it went to all the other conversations we had. So it was fun to see that. And then just, you know, it was a year ago. It was February 2020 when we had our sit down and then the shifts we made within one month. I were a phenomenal. So again, and let's put the context, right?
0: February 2020. Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. But March the 17th was going to be one month later when absolutely everything went crazy in the States, right? You're based out of Chicago. We were just a little bit behind here in Arizona. I think we've remained behind, but that's a a whole other conversation. But I mean, we were basically a month before the world was gonna change into a very different place. And I remember back then I said to you, probably said to you something like, you know, Sarah, do you trust me? Um, Because I really think we can help you here. And it's going to involve a, a level of trust and us like really being honest. And the next thing that we did was we said, the one thing we've got to do is start to look at your numbers in the business, right? <laughs> and if if you're just listening in um, and you're not watching this and seeing the recording, and you, you can't
1: just... see my sweaty palms right now. <laughs> exactly. It's number. like Sarah's
0: eyes just went massive. It was like that. <laughs> Uh, like, what do you mean? So what was that experience like? You know, we brought in our financial coach and I said, we're going to run some analysis here. It's going to reveal some things, but what was happening
1: for you at that time? Well, what was personally happening was I had gone to the bank. I couldn't get a higher loan of credit. I was maxed out. My credit cards were almost maxed out. We had taken personal lines of credit out. We had used that And I had taken $80,000 of my own retirement money and put towards everything and went next month. I don't know what's going to happen because I have no more reserve. I have used everything. Um, So that's where, that's where I was. Um, When we sat down and we looked at my numbers, it was more than just, okay, what couple of things can you cut from your expenses? Um, I was looking at, I had a second location that wasn't profitable. I wasn't invested. It wasn't my desire and my passion to have this second location. And it was one of those things that I had rode along and changed, you know, let the happen with the business and wasn't in control of it. Um, That cost me 17 Mm. by closing that saved me 17 to $20,000 for the year. Mm the so right then and there was a, you know, a noose taken off my neck. Um, we looked at therapist productivity and our therapists weren't producing at the capacity that I was paying them. Yeah. And I remember having a very frank conversation with bill and he said, you need to let two people go. Yeah. And these people, I have people that have worked with me for almost 15 years There was no way I was responsible for their livelihood, their families, you know, their security, and that I wanted to let them down. So I really had to take a shift and look at how could ours be reallocated more efficiently, um, getting more uh, um, accountability on the staff to be aware of where their numbers were, how they were contributing to the business and then letting them know, I had always talked with them about where the business was every quarter, but really being frank with them and talking without the emotion of fear and scarcity, but more in this is what we need to do to change and move forward because we've always been a really good therapy company, but I wanted to be a strong company. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I remember, you know, again, a lot of
0: conversations, as you say, a lot of tears. These were tough moments. That's why I love to keep this podcast raw and real. I mean, at the end of the day, you are a million dollar businesswoman, And right. I think a lot, of, a lot of people listening, a lot of women listening as well, can think um, mistakenly that if we could only grow and add more zeros to top line revenue, right, all problems would be solved. And as I've so often said from the outside is unfortunately, like if the foundation is wrong or let's say rocky, right? It's got flaws in it, it which was the case back then. You start to grow on top of that. All you're doing is creating messes that have got a lot more zeros attached to them and the stress and the anxiety and the risk. I mean, everything, it just keeps, you know, escalating on top
1: of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, the amount of stress I was under a year ago! You know, I was I wasn't sleeping at night. I was constantly thinking about the lack of money and that we didn't have money. Um, I was constantly in fear of where was it going to come from. I I had huge guilt. I was taking money out of my family's pocket. I was next going to my child's college fund to take money out to make payroll, and I was in essence stealing from my family. And the guilt I had around that, and, you know, I have a very supportive husband that will let us do what we need to do to make the family grow. But I made the commitment after paying all those loans back after paying back the IRA, you know, and getting myself a salary, I was being paid less than any therapist. Yeah. And when I increased our salary and when I increased my salary, when I paid everything back, I looked my husband square in the eyes and said, I will always always put our family first. Mm. It's so important. As I say, it,
0: it is such a, it's such an important conversation. Cause I, again, remember back then, as you say, the guilt, these are, these are tough, really tough spots to be in. As you say, you've got people, you built up a business. There's a lot of trust. There's a lot of loyalty. I remember, and I, again, I remember that conversation was but Vanessa, like our company is like a family. That's how we operate. Yeah and again that tough conversation that i had with you was sarah you've got to take care of your family first yeah right it's you and your family first you can't take care of everybody else if you are not taking care of you
1: and i think that's the key thing that i've probably learned in the last year is not only take care of me and my family first but take care of me first mm. And I have to be happy. I have to be balanced because everything does trickle down from that. You know, as a mom, I have to be in a good place myself in the mornings, you know, have my routines, have my time, those things I need so that when I'm dealing with not finding a glove before we get on the bus, I'm not losing my shit. I'm not ready to break down on her. And then she goes to school anxious and upset because I lost a glove. No yes. kid would have to worry about that. Yeah. But- No, I, I had, I think that that's it, you know, taking care of my family, but even more so what I've found to be valuable is, is taking care of me, taking that time during the day for me, um, and and not having the guilt about it because I'm a way better person that way. Right. And isn't it, uh, it's the irony. And of course our podcast is get
0: rich without being a bitch. And uh, what's the irony of this. And I know you and I kind of said this in a, you know, off, off air, so to speak, There's a lot of concern for women around who they may become, who they fear becoming as they become more successful and more wealthy. And I know that that was certainly, you know, and it's not for everybody, but for me, I certainly had this kind of messed up role model in my head that in order to get ahead, I had to become some sort of cold hearted bitch, you know, that was running everything by the numbers. That was just, you know, very unemotional. That wasn't going to be empathetic. Basically, that I was going to lose every part of myself that I actually really love about me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I realized, oh my gosh, like that mindset, right? That's just a very outdated mindset that's been handed down to me, and it's not the case. The irony is that, and we saw that with you. And I know I was kind of teasing you about it. It was kind of like it wasn't like get rich, <laughs> you know, and be a bitch. It was almost like well i'm broken struggling and i actually am a bitch right now right, right. <laughs> right? <laughs> it is like we see that part of ourselves through stress because there's so much stress and anxiety and as you say you know that's that's not who you are at your core that's not who you want your daughter To be seeing and witnessing, yet there's just when there's those layers of stress and juggling Peter to pay Paul and all of those other things and employees and am I going to make payroll? And as you say, you know, am I going to actually sleep tonight or am I going to be, you know, trying to balance a checkbook on my, you know. Where am I going to get the next money from? There's an aspect of ourselves that is going to be revealed through that, which we probably don't like. And as I say, Sarah, I've gone through it myself, where you know, just feeling so much anxiety and stress um, that it's not the best version of me that that comes through.
1: And that managing, you know, with numbers, you don't have to be that cold-hearted bitch. Because when I would have conversations a year ago in previous years, when an employee would come to me about productivity or salary, I would get defensive Mm -hmm. and I would be like, Hey, listen, I am already in scarcity. I am already doing all this for you. And a lot of defensiveness I had. And now having just recent conversations, I can look and have empathy of where they're coming from. Listen to them. What are their needs? What are some of the underlying stories that they are saying about this situation and then letting them know, here are some of the facts and coming to some um, decisions together that we both feel good about, um, you know, with, with some compromise.
0: Yeah. Such a different place, right? It really is. And again, it all starts with you, as you say, like, let's take care of you. Let's get you a, you know, let's get you a road map Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the, as you say, I mean, and I was just taking notes again, and I know that you documented all of this, but I mean, the reality is running a million dollar, you know, practice, maxed out credit, you know, taken 80,000 out of retirement, maxed out a line of credit, you know, as you say, your credit cards, everything was, you know, you were constantly paying them down to use them again. I mean, the interest there not paying yourself as well, which is one of my big red flags. It's like, and I get it once in a while, we have to do that as a business owner, right? There's, you know, I probably don't know many business owners that haven't, but when it's a habit that we're not paying ourselves or we're just trying to squeeze out what's left over, it's gonna build a lot of resentments. I mean, you weren't paying yourself
1: no. And for 20 years, almost, you know, 18 years, it was the same salary. And I remember when you threw a number at me, I thought this girl is flipping crazy. insane. There is no way, no way that I can get that much money for the business. And I also didn't value my role in the business enough and didn't think that I deserved that much either. Mm, yeah.
0: So what was it that started to shift that, right? Because I think that's, again, core, you're using, I mean, there's two words that I hear a lot. It's like really valuing myself and feeling worthy, right? Deserving of what I really want. What was it that really started to shift that for you?
1: I think a lot of it was mindset. Um, You know, as we work together, I catch myself saying words like, well, I have to do this. And then well, what does have to mean or should mean and, and all the shoulds. And I think like um, those things and like leading versus pushing so many like mindset shifts. I really had to start looking at the stories I was telling myself Mm. and looking at when a situation would occur, what am I making that mean? What am I making it mean about me? What am I making it mean about that other person? What do I want? What do I want for me? What do I want for them? What do I want for us? And being able to stop and think about those things. Um, and respond that way rather than responding reactively and impulsively and harshly yeah i love that my my dogs clearly loved that as well
0: they were going, going crazy there in the background <laughs> so let's also right so then right covid hits we've started to work uh-huh. together and we're now in the we're in the turnaround plan right <laughs> we're in the turnaround plan and now we have a massive pandemic Yet within a few short months, you were starting to get some phenomenal results. So tell us about some of the, you know, like, where did you get to? What were some of the results, right? Really specifically that you were able to create?
1: Well, COVID was horrible. I mean, and, and, but it also was probably the best timing for me because I had so much fear around making any changes that. People might think, "Oh, Sarah's just doing this for the business. She wants more money, or you know, maybe the business isn't doing good." And and should I be scared and go find another job? So I had so much fear around making waves and yes. causing problems. You know, we had wanted to introduce telepractice and been researching that the months before COVID hit. And yet the fear that the therapist had of, well, our family's going to want this. Are, is insurance going to cover it? Am I going to know how to do it? Um, those kinds of things kept holding us back. And so COVID really went, you've got all the fear in the world here. So now go and, and make it, use it, use it. Mm-hmm. So I had to use that time with my team to really stop and be able to put out new programs. We put out telepractice. Um, we put out some online programs that were free for families to use. We had community groups that we created in Facebook. Um, and we weren't, we weren't scared of putting those products out when they weren't perfect. Yes. And we were offered a lot of grace um, because everyone was having problems logging into Zoom. It wasn't just a therapist that, you know, you're paying and should have their stuff together. Absolutely. Um, It also gave my therapist a chance to, we went down to 30% capacity. And so it gave the therapist a chance to go, okay, when I'm not seeing a client, what could I be doing to help the business grow? And Mm so we strategized and created a lot of activities for that the staff could do as far as growing the business, creating content. We did a lot of Facebook lives. We created um, some online activities for families. Um, so things that they could have, they could be feel that they're using their skills for and be resourceful. And then I think that as they were building up their caseloads, they really understood the, co- the impact of what productivity looked like on the company. And so as we came back and we really managed more by statistics, giving KPIs, here is what's expected. And then having accountability to that because they knew what the expectations were before, but we didn't hold anyone accountable. And so now when we would have accountability meetings, it would be, here's where you are. Here's where you should be. What are some strategies we can do? So it wasn't just, you're not at your hours. Yeah. Um, You're not making money for the company. Um, And there wasn't that resentment I had also, but I'm still paying you. You know, so a lot of that went away and a lot more strategies came together. And we've been able to collectively say as a group, these are things that help and teach each other and give each other support. Yeah, I love that. As you say, it's like once you start to get rid of some of that stress and anxiety, you might get
0: clear. That's the thing. You're an incredibly creative woman. I mean, you you are never short. I wouldn't say an idea of two, I'd say like 10 or 20 ideas, right? And it's like channeling those. But I think that was the thing. It was like, then it's like, we've got a game plan. We've released some of that anxiety and stress. And as you say, you've been able to get super creative, no longer being resentful of your team, but like really leading them, getting them involved. Um, And as a result, you know, when other businesses or similar businesses were probably really stuck and struggling in COVID, here you were, you know, using that creativity to really turn things around. What ended up happening financially? Because that's going to be, I'm sure everyone listening in is like, okay, so what happened? There were lines of credit. Things were maxed out. What happened next?
1: Well, and I think just really quick, you know, you said lots of ideas. That was also a pitfall of mine is I'd have these ideas and then I'd go, okay, we're along this path. Oop, shiny object. Good idea. Let's go here. Oop, shiny object. Let's go here. So really getting clarity on the goals I wanted to have for the business helped too um, for that. So with, with financially turned around, um, we, we have paid back the line of credits all of them. We actually got an increase on our line of credit since then. We have zero credit card debt. We have re- and I say we because this is a team effort. Of course. Um, you know, we have uh paid back the the IRA loan that I took. My salary I have um raised that to a a more deserving um, and what sort of percentage increase would that represent? 48%
0: raise for, and she knows her numbers, by the way, this is, uh, this is a, like a little sideline, but Sarah did not know any of her numbers. and would never have been able to say that off, but like 48% raise, <laughs> she's yeah. super proud of that. So you we, should- um,
1: we were at a place that we had found out in December that we hadn't been billing and we had over, it was $1.2 million in past AR out there due so we were very aggressive in collections and getting a company that was responsible and um and and getting my staff to do timely billing um and and just different strategies around the the billing aspects so we were able to clean that up we then like i said we closed the second clinic um we review, we reviewed our spending had an immediate freeze mm. um, So it was something that I wasn't offering compensation to things that I previously had been doing. And I was canceling all kinds of unnecessary subscriptions and programs and and different things. Um, It was also a time though that I was having to invest in some new programs and subscriptions in order to do some of the online programs that we wanted to be able to provide families and then later build more plans that we could programs that we could generate revenue from. So it was kind of a, it, because we did the one, we were able to do the other. There's no Mm -hmm. way in cutting $41,000 of expenses, I wouldn't have been able to purchase the new programs and plans that we have. Yeah. And how did you, I mean, again, in terms
0: of, because again, anybody listening in, right? You were at the time when you said yes to yourself and yes to getting help and working with us, right? this is when everything was like maxed out. I mean, you were not in a good financial position. And I know a lot of people can see that as like irresponsible or this is the right. Like this is the last thing you should be doing in, you know, investing in. And, or if anything, it's like cut, 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 cut. Now I have to say, that's not my philosophy. You can't grow a business by only cutting, right? We have to do some of those things, but we need to also invest and think about growth. But in your mind, like, What was it that enabled you to make an investment in yourself when like your back was kind of up against a wall?
1: Well, I think the initial investment that I made, um, I've always invested in myself in my personal growth and development and getting some leadership support. When I said yes to you, I really was saying yes to the business. And I was saying yes to the business because I needed to, I knew I needed to do something. It probably wasn't until the summer. So I signed up with you in February, started in March. It probably wasn't till our call in July. And I vividly, you, you and I have very vivid conversations. I can tell you exactly I sitting at a beach house Sana. you know, my friend's family's beach house, looking out at a lake and you talk to me about the, the next step and the next program. And I thought, oh gosh, you know, I can't do this. And and I really should, I'm, I've got good momentum and I learned a lot of skills. I just need to do what I, I've learned and, and then I'll come back and check in. And that summer, that yes was to me. Mm-hmm. That yes was to me instead of the business. And so it really was, I had gotten the confidence because I had seen results. Um, and then I had gotten the clarity that I was going to continue that cycle or be in that just okay space if I didn't do more. Mm. And I wanted more for me because I inside had lost my joy. I lost my passion for the business. I lost my passion of what do I even enjoy doing? For 20 years I worked and that's been my identity. I didn't know what else I liked to do. And I needed to stop and step away and say, how can I be a really good leader and take care of myself first? And what does it look like today? (laughs) You say we're what, about a year on? Yep, we're about, yep, about a year on. About a year Um, on. I would definitely say I prioritize myself and my family first. Um, Every morning I start my day with intention. And so I know what I want from that day, but I also have faith and enough margin in my day that I try and take whatever comes to me anyways. Um, So that, you know, when this afternoon, perfect example, I had something to do. My daughter came home. She was anxious about her band lesson. And I said, would you like me to sit with you during it? So I sat for 30 minutes with her during her band lesson. She didn't need me once. She did phenomenal. But just to be that reassurance to her, even though, and I had enough margin in my day. I wasn't anxious being there the whole time that I should be someone else. Love that Um, building margin in your day. That's such a powerful lesson. Huge margin and time blocking, you know, looking at my schedule. And if something is not important, it doesn't have a space. I've started color coding my calendar. And if it doesn't fit into one of my colors, does it really need to fit into my life? Mm, It's a great way
0: to see it, Sarah, as somebody that also color codes her calendar. I absolutely love that. It's like, no
1: wrong color, doesn't fit. And when my husband goes in and puts a color in and puts an activity in, it's sometimes the wrong color, so. (laughs) Of course, of
0: course. We've got to train them too, right? And then, you know, before we, before we started this podcast, you were like, oh my gosh, like Vanessa, I have just written down like my next like three year vision. Because again, this is one of the exercises we've been taking all of our mastermind clients through was like really getting clear. When you've got that foundation, now it's time to start to really dream big because we've we've got a track record, right? We've got the confidence. We've realized, oh my gosh, like this works. And now it's time to kind of go, oh, this is, and honestly for me, Sarah, you know that this is my space where I geek out. I mean, I love solving all the problems, right? And like, let's plug those leaks, let's get things going. But for me, the joy is then in, this is where it gets really fun, right? Running a business. Because it's almost that, let's see what we're capable of now. Right. So tell me about that process. Because you, you started at the beginning of the before
1: we went live on the podcast, going, oh my gosh, I just finished my three-year vision. So our, our activity is to write it for three years from now. And I was struggling. And so in thinking about it and working through it, I thought, I was recommended that, well, how about you write your one year from now, which will prompt your three years from now. And I said, all right, funny thing is I went back and read my one year from now from last year. So it was March 29th. Where would I be 2021? And I told the person today on the phone, I said, I actually am living that life. And what I so wish I had done was almost written. What does today look like? where am I today? Cause I forget how bad it was Right. when I've gotten to here. Yeah. And so what I did then as I wrote my one year from today and what we would be doing as a family, what we would be doing as um, my, for myself, things I'd be planning and creating and involved in, and then what the business would look like. And then I stepped out and wrote three years out. Uh, I put down on paper things that I would be scared to do, but so excited. And I think the biggest thing in dreaming that I've had to learn is you have that dream just because you don't know how you're going to get there. Doesn't mean you need to squelch your dream for so long. I limited my own growth and my, my business's growth for sure because I didn't know how we were gonna get there. I mean, mind you, we've had a lawsuit, we've had a flood and lost everything. I always felt like I was only responsive to things and going along and I don't know how I did that for you know, 18, 20 years. And now I'm sitting here going, I can actually say where I wanna be and it's okay to course correct and it's okay to not know how I'm going to get there, but to know I have resources to help me get there with those strategies. Beautiful. Absolutely. And I mean, you've been going off to Florida. There's been a, a, a few
0: little trips down to Florida, spending time with your lovely girl, Ellie. I mean, there's just yeah. been, you know, again, and a lot more spaciousness. Again, I know one of the things you said on a call earlier this week was like, holy moly, right? You know, there's space on my calendar, Vanessa, like, you know, and again, that CEO space, right? To be creative, to dream, to be the visionary and like really, you know, decide what it is that you want to create next and then put the plans together to get there. Mm -hmm. Sarah, what would you, I mean, it's such an inspiring story. And as I say, in such a short period of time as well, um, a a again, a magnificent turnaround. What advice would you give? I mean, somebody else that could be listening in right now that, and frankly looks successful perhaps on the outside as you did. Oh, I did. Like, totally. Everyone lovely. thought I had my shit together. Of course, nobody would have ever known, right? Of course they did. They're like, oh my gosh, she's a rock star. She's got it all figured out. What advice would you give to some somebody else that's listening in today that looks like she's got her shit together and yet on the inside is like really not feeling it?
1: I think find that group, find that person that you can be vulnerable with to even say it out loud, to even put it out there of any fears you have or feelings you have, just being able to be very real with yourself and someone else that will help hold you accountable and somebody else that then has resources to push you, lead you along and help support you. Um, I would say you're worth it. And if you don't take care of you, no one else is going to, and you need to take care of you first so that you then can take care of those people that you love and care for. You know, my family, my employees, the clients we serve all down to that, it trickles down. And so put you first and and the investment of time, of money, of fear and 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 being vulnerable that emotional investment is so worth it Mm, so good i'm gonna put you
0: on the spot as a little bit of a closing one here this is a fun one but i just want you to complete the sentence for what this means today being rich fill in the blank means what i'm not a
1: bitch no um (laughs) you know what that's really it (laughs) um being rich um being rich is okay it's okay to have money it's okay to not live in scarcity it's okay to be successful and to be able to treat your family to things to be able to give employees more Um, to be able to, you know, plan for the future and have stability. It is okay.
0: Yeah. I think it's even more than okay. Right. It's, it's necessary for us as women as well. Yeah. So thank you so much. So many gems. I mean, I've got, listen, I'm writing notes here. I'm going to capture them, of course, in our podcast notes afterwards as well. Um, I'm also going to make sure that we have a link to Sarah's website because the reality is, I mean, you're doing, you know, you, well, you personally aren't anymore, but your team provides speech therapy for, you know, children with special needs. And mm-hmm. that is available obviously in the Chicago area, but also virtually now, right, through your mm-hmm. telehealth platform.
1: And we also have a lot of online programs and free communities for families where they can just ask questions and other families are on it. Um, other professionals are on it and we give resources. So anyone who has a child that just wants to know where their child's at or get some ideas of, of activities to do developmentally with their children, we share for free. Oh, perfect. Sarah. I'm going to make sure we get those links in the notes
0: because people will be listening in. And again, you are just doing such phenomenal work in the world <laughs> Um, I really want people to, as I say, connect with you. I'm sure they will definitely resonate with your story, but also if they've got some needs for their for their you know loved ones that they can also reach out to your team and uh, have a conversation about that. And listen, from my heart to yours, You've just been a delight, an amazing, amazing turnaround story. And I feel like we've only just begun. So uh, the the next year ahead is going to be really, really fun. And perhaps we need to do a check back in and kind of like a part two of this podcast to go. Okay, this is what happened next,
1: folks. Sarah, always a delight. Thanks for having me.